really the there the writing on the wall is for a mayor to come along and say i'm going to go hard against homelessness i'm going to do giuliani broken windows theory you know like conservative anti-homeless right-wing shit basically right Mm. i think everybody's ready for that want a daddy to take your panties off? Yes, I do, Danny. <laughs> no, I don't, actually. You want a daddy? Poor Dan. Why poor Dan? Oh, Billy. Oh, what's going on back there? He's doing fine. I talk to him all the time. Nice. Good guy. Don Drapriel. <coughs> yeah, you're really trying to make that work, and I just don't think it's happening, man. Uh, it is working. <laughs> and it's working very well. I finished Mad Men. Did I tell you that? Yeah. Yep. Uh, uh, I don't. Maybe you didn't tell me. I that. think. I think I was watching the last time we talked about it, but I did finish it. It's really funny because actually, like, I was at some party. When was I at some party? I was at some party the other day where somebody was playing the last scene of Mad Men. Oh, that's weird. It's weird. I d- I did. Think- or no, it was somebody was at my house. They were playing. It. I did think the end of that show was kind of a. I don't know. It's all right. He just seems like Don Draper just kind of seems like a like a bitch at, yeah. at the end, which yeah. is annoying. Just, I just don't totally understand his I yeah, I didn't really completely get the end. Uh I mean I kind of did, but Yeah. I mean it was fine. But there was a lot of like weird fan service I didn't like, like Peggy getting together with that guy. Yeah. I'm like and they're confessing their love for each other. Service? Yeah, where it's like you know the fans want Peggy to get together right, with right, this guy, right, yeah. and I just was like, why do they have to like get? To, why can't they just be friends? Right, these professional friends that care about each other. It just seemed very like contrary to the, how Peggy functioned right. at work, which yeah. was very professional. Like Peggy was a mega professional, very yeah. focused on her job, and then at the end, like. Oh, I've I've loved you all this time. Yeah, and yeah. it just came out of nowhere. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah. four three year old s- series finale update. Yeah. <laughs> I also loves the stale. I, I love stale content. I, <laughs> I watch stuff after the fact. What can I say? Oh, I watched all of True Detective too. So there you go. Oh, hey. So what did you think of that? Uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. The for, first season. Yes, the first yeah, season. Yeah. I don't watch the second. Second season, season is. He's he's already having drama on the third season because he can't, just can't get along. He with can't people. get along with people, which yeah. I like. I like when people can't get along with people. But uh, I actually just read Nick. We're talking about Nick Pizzolatto right now. We I just read his first book. Yeah, how was it? Galveston. Is it good? It's like <laughs> Isaac made an unimpressed face. It's just like why? Why does this exist? Mm. It's just not. I don't understand. It's so funny because it seems like True Detective. Almost more so than any show I've ever really seen has such a reason to exist. You know, like I feel like he has such a strong theme and like he's really trying to say something. Uh, whereas this book is just like, 
It's just like a grizzled, it's called Galveston. Yeah. It's just a grizzled, like, hitman, like, on the run with a young girl that he's like. He's very uh, Cormac McCarthy. Yeah, and it's just like, everything's very facile. It's a million tropes that yeah. you've seen a million times. Well, if it was his first book, then. It's just very. I mean, I think he's like trying to do something with the language, you know? He's definitely trying to be like uh Who's the master of like the lower class language? Robert. Who am I thinking? I don't know. Carver, Raymond Carver. Oh, Raymond Carver. It's either Raymond Carver or Raymond Chandler. I can never remember which one is which. But, is it either uh, one of them? I didn't think either one of those guys were that. Yeah, no, the one of them. I think it's like, oh yeah, you captured the way the lower classes talk huh. perfectly. Maybe they both do in, in different ways. But uh, anyway, so he's like definitely trying to do that in the South. And it's like these are the the way that the grizzled, you know, hit, hit, hit men of the South talk to each other, and it's just like, but everything's so predictable. I mean, it's got slightly an interesting ending, but I don't know. It's yeah, just, not very, not very recommended. I I wouldn't. I mean, it's like if you have a weekend, you just want to kill and like read a book. It's pretty entertaining, but not. I don't really feel like it has any purpose to exist. It's mm. not really like. A good book. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, I liked I liked the show. I enjoyed it. I really plowed through it pretty fast. Uh, I liked the, I liked how it was structured. It was kind of uncommonly structured for a TV show, uh, and the acting was terrific. Really good, yeah. Um, and I like serial killer cult stuff, and it has oodles of that. And the cinematography, yeah, so good. Yeah, they shot it on thirty five, and it really shows. Yeah. Well, just a. Uh, it's it's crazy, like, when all the pieces come together for that. Because then, I guess for the second season, which I haven't watched, the pieces did not come together at all, even though... this I totally get what he was doing for the second season. I, I really get it. Uh-huh. Like, I, I see... He was trying to tell a really cool story. Because he's telling the story of, of this side of Los Angeles that no one ever talks about. Right. And it's really, I get it. I, I think I can see where his inspiration is coming from. It just... Didn't work. It, I think it's the director, man. I mean, no. the director is like the guy who directs like the Fast and the Furious movies. Well, it was like, a bunch of directors. Well, no, but I, but I think it's like James Wan or whatever, right? It's like the main... Well, I don't... I'm speaking out of ignorance. I don't know. But what I remember reading was that it was a rotating bunch of directors yeah, that, right. that went it through just it. Like not, which is how it normally works. Whereas yeah. the first season was all just Carrie Joe Fukunaga directed yeah. all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a lot of uncommon stuff was happening in that first yeah. season yeah. that for some reason. So what's he, why can't he get along with people? What's his thing? Well, uh, it's, that's just the assumption. Like, I don't ever think it was officially said, but the rumor is that he and Corey, like... Couldn't stand each other. Yeah. Could not get I've along. I've heard he's a very difficult guy. And the director, the, the guy that made Green Room and Blue Ruin was the director for the third one, ah. and he's gone already. Oh, he's he, already gone. He did two episodes and was out. Oh, so, wow. So, yeah, he, like, clearly can't get along with people. They've called in Daniel Sackheim, who is a, like, regular TV director. He's directed a shit ton of TV shows. And then Nick Pizzolatto, is that how you say his name? Yeah. Is directing half of the oh, season. Oh, whoa. So, um, and then David Milch is involved with this season. David Milch is... Deadwood. Deadwood, who's amazing. Yeah. He's such a cool guy. And he did something else recently, which I also loved. I forget. John from Cincinnati. Oh, my God. I actually love John from Cincinnati. I have Cincinnati. never watched that. Oh, it's great. It's worth it's watching. It's so underrated. I mean, I... The word, s- the word on the street is they're going to make those Deadwood movies. 
That's he did. I think John Milch also did something. David Milch. Else. David Milch. He did some. Was he involved in Peaky Blinders? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. He did something else recently that I, I thought was good too. Yeah. Um. Anyway, way off track, but what would it be without talking about movie talk? Without movie TV talk. So you you sent me this article right in Harper's. Yep. It's called it's uh, causing major waves. Did the death of a once great city. It's by uh, Kevin Baker. Who's who is Kevin Baker? I, I don't know. Some guy, some journalist. Let's go to his website. He's got a bunch of a lot of New York journalism. It looks like. Yeah. So you read this, and uh, I really enjoyed this read as a former resident of the city oh, of New yeah, York. It's great. It's a great read. Yeah. This I, is almost like it's the, on Harper's. Go on Harper's and look up the death of a once great city. You know what this reminded me of? This reminded me of the case for reparations, like. Anti-New York, you know, it's like it's the the whole thing of the case for reparations, which is Tanahisi Coates, this yeah. legendary like white people are privileged article. That's all backed up by all these this great data, basically yeah. these great uh, anecdotal data. Not not why did I say anecdotal? These just this great data about all these uh, redlining, law, redlining, and all these laws that were. Per- essentially preventing black people from ever entering the middle class. Right. And it's, you know, very well argued. I really take issue with Ta-Nehisi Coates. And I find him, as Sam Harris would say, incredibly intellectually dishonest. This is just fucking tiresome. Yeah, that's what I think of Ta-Nehisi Coates. (laughs) Uh, And I find him to be just a total hypocrite because he had this whole thing uh, where he wasn't paying his interns and he was like, he wrote an article in defense of not paying interns mm. and was like, yeah, they should be fucking happy that they're working for me for free, basically. And he was like, you know, I didn't make, he was like, I didn't make $15,000 for an article until I was 35. And I'm like, you are so fucking deluded. All right. Well, like, anyway, well, sorry, 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 sorry. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, this article is similar only in the sense that uh, it's really well backed up by facts. So it's like uh, it's a it's a a guy complaining about how New York has changed, which is like big fucking whoop. How many yeah. you know the LCD sound system song? Uh, you know, New York, I love you, but you're bringing me down. Like this this line of. New York, oh, you've changed uh, hate has been going on for a long time. The difference is this is really backed up by a lot of like hard facts that kind of show what's really going on. Yeah, his thesis, uh, the thesis I pulled from his, uh, the article is, this is him writing, uh, I have never seen what is going on now. The systematic wholesale transformation of New York into a reserve of the obscenely wealthy and the barely here a place increasingly devoid of the idiosyncrasy, the complexity, the opportunity, and the roiling excitement that make a city great. Yeah, that's exactly his thesis. And um, just so you know, the reason we're talking about this is because we have an episode about this. Yeah. Mini-sode something. something. No, it's, is it a full episode? It's real. It's called NYC Sucks. NYC Sucks, right. Which we were talking about essentially this exact thing. Right. Because you, you went on a trip there and right. you noticed the vibe. I noticed the vibe. And I felt that in Manhattan, the vibe truly had changed. And right. he is essentially put it, backing that up with yeah. facts. Is this uh, another situation where our podcast has been has the seed? Seeded society. <laughs> this is another thing. Um, so, I mean, 
I don't know. Reading the beginning of the article, I did kind of roll my eyes because I was like, oh, God, like, here we go again. Some other person complaining about New York City being gentrified, blah, blah, blah. Right. On the other hand, what he's talking about is really a big problem. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's you gave me a book for my birthday a couple of years about the about the disappearing storefronts of New York City. And, yeah. and when everything gets replaced by chain stores, it's gross. Yeah. You know, it's nobody it, wants that it sucks out the identity and, and it's it happening sucks out the magic. I mean, it's like there really was. I remember walking through New York when I lived there and there's just a magic to it. There's yeah. like a, an energy. It's like yeah, Paris a or something. It's like a palpable energy of just being in the middle of something, you know? Yeah. And that when I went back, the reason we recorded that episode is I went back to New York for a couple of days for this thing. And I just felt overwhelmingly like that was gone. Yeah. Like I got out of the subway and just felt like, oh, here's a bunch of chain stores. Here's Whole Foods, you know, the container store. You know, it was just like... Yeah, the same shit you can yeah, get anywhere. anywhere else at any time. Right. And that the, the reason for that is, is that those are the only people that can afford rent. I mean, think right. about how much money... And you see the same thing happening in LA. I mean, luckily LA is like, you know, a little bit protected from this. But... uh there are so many vacant buildings yeah. that are just sitting there well, one of the because th- the greedy, evil fucking landlord is just like, oh, well, I need to wait around until I get some big fish yep. chain store in here that can afford three times the rent of anybody else, and then I'm, well, you know, I'm in good shape. That's even that's even specified in his article. He talks about this uh, local place that is nicknamed the Saint Launder Center in his neighborhood and a local laundromat. And he talks to one of the uh, people that owns it or runs it. And she, uh, this is in quotes. She said the landlord had upped the rent from a hefty $7,000 a month to $21,000 a month. Who the fuck can afford that? Yeah. What small business can afford yeah. 21 grand a month, a month. on, on Crazy. your, on your space? I know. Like That's how so is, weird. how is any small business supposed to grow? I, and- yeah, how can any business, how can any business have anything fun and experimental? I mean, to me, I look around and I see like independent old restaurants yeah. and I'm like, they must own that building. Yeah. Like there is no way they are paying rent in there. Right. Because the only way you could ever keep a business like that open is if you're own it if you own the place well, and that's it's happened, just free money that's happened to, sh- to a shitload of local yeah. classic eateries in LA even yeah that they've totally. just had to close down or bars that have closed down because the, the landlords just suddenly jacked their yeah, rent dude, up so yeah, it can stand yeah. empty yeah you know I was part of this private club in downtown forever called RVCC that yeah. was in a, a room in an old Federal Reserve Bank building right that was not usable for anything it was yeah. a beautiful room but it was not that there's like the bathrooms weren't but code yeah. you know and like there was only like one weird bathroom like far away and there's just nothing you can use this for i mean it, it, you would take millions and this is an old federal reserve building right. it's designed to not be fucked with like yeah. it would cost millions to convert it into anything that would be like remotely usable as a restaurant or anything and so there was this great club in there that was cheap. It was like a co-working space. It was super like kind of secret and a lot of artists were a part of it. Really great thing. And of course, the fucking landlord has to fuck it over. You know, he has to come Is in. Is it gone now? Yeah, it's gone, gone because he, he tried to, you know, triple the rent. Exactly the same thing. And now he's sitting there. He's going to be sitting on that space for a fucking year, yeah. years before some 
you know conglomerate conglomerate comes along and is like, all right, we'll foot the bill for five million dollars of renovations yeah. that needs to happen here and convert it. But he's gonna be sitting around for time for a new Starbucks. Right. And it's like there's a Starbucks across the fucking street, you yeah. know, and, and so this is this is the problem again with you know, you see the same thing in the Midwest. It's the centralization of power is a real problem because it just makes it so that these places they can't afford to become their own thing. Right. In the article, uh, there's also this line about like empty storefronts. Last June, the office of Manhattan Borough President Gail Brewer found 188 vacant storefronts along Broadway from Battery Park to Inwood. I don't the, know where Inwood is. Uh, it's the very northern tip of oh, okay. Manhattan. This on a main commercial avenue in an incredibly wealthy city in the eighth year of an economic expansion. So you have uh, all this urban blight on on Broadway. Yeah. Like it's Broadway. It's the thoroughfare of New York City, and you've got almost 200 empty storefronts. That's a long the fucking way. way, though, from Inwood. Yeah, to but still, Park. like, this New York is supposed to be like. At its height, it's ha- it's there's an economic expansion happening. Like, what do you mean the economic expansion? What does that mean? Well, New York is supposed to be doing great now, right? That's what we hear. It's well, not like right. New York's in the middle of uh, uh, some kind of inflationary problem where everybody's going out of business and there's a whole yeah. bunch of shit happening. It's Supposedly every there shouldn't be up. any storefronts closed at all, right? Like. There should be business happening in all of them, but so it's the same thing. Where it's when there. the rich come in, I mean, it's true. It's a, you know, it's say what you will about DTLA, and it is disgusting. I live there now, but you know, the the riffraff, I guess, keeps it reasonable in, in its own way. You know, <laughs> I mean, that, that's the thing. Like, I guess that's why the heyday of New York was just after it got cleaned up by Giuliani, and now where it's become a suburb, and it's really actually a suburb now. You know, it really has lost its its thing. Yeah, you know? I. I remember living there in 99. Yeah. That's when I moved there. And then I left in 2003. And it was, that was like the end of Giuliani and the beginning of Bloomberg. Right. So, I mean, I can't really speak for the experience of New York before then, but that time was certainly very exciting. Right. And you could still, in Manhattan, you could still interact with people from all the various social and economic classes, uh, that you would expect oh, yeah. to interact with in no, a city. No, you'd be on the train, right? You know, bankers next to homeless people. Everybody yeah. would be on that train together. Yeah. And you and people would live there too. Like I remember I did um I don't remember I remember the name of it. It was some like tutoring thing where they got federally subsidized dollars and you'd get a wage for like going to tutor kid America Reads. It was something like that. And I'd go to this lower east side school and it was just like this huge hodgepodge of kids from the neighborhood. Yeah. And there were like poor or low-income families living there. I right. mean, can you do that in New York if you're not living in a rent-stabilized apartment? Can you like afford to live in Manhattan? No way. Of course not. It, which is crazy. Yeah. Like there's no diversity of, of social class there Right. Anymore. Well, and that's this is the problem with the ultra-wealthy is that it's like – as he says, they're absent, you know, and you, you notice this, like, look at the houses on the beach in Santa Monica. There's yeah. no one in them ever. Yeah. Because it's really, really, really rich people own them. They're the only ones who can afford them in the first place. Yeah. And then they never fucking use them. Yeah. They just sit there as an investment. And so that that's what's happening in Manhattan. It's like every... Or they're, every or they're Airbnbs. Person, right, or they're Airbnbs. So every rich person in the world 
has their Manhattan apartment and that's it. <laughs> you know, those are the only people that are there yeah. because income and I mean, ultimately the, the actual cause of all of this is income inequality to the extent that, you know, the, the wealthy class has gotten so disproportionately powerful that they just, you know, they're playing a whole different game. You know, they're not even connected to the normal people at all. They're just like, oh, well, how many apartments can I own throughout the world? Let's like make this a game. Yeah. You know, and they're just competing in their own world. Well, one of the things you know? he writes about is... Which must kind of suck in a way. I mean, I guess it's like, you know, they get into this competition with each other, you know? Or... I don't even know if it's a competition with each other, but one of the things he points out in that article is like all these apartments that they build and own, which are super tall and are like obstructing the light into Central Park and all this horrible shit, but they're all like completely enclosed so that you never have to go outside for any reason. Like they have indoor trees and like indoor parks mm. and all this, all these amenities to keep you inside yeah. so that you never have to like go out into the world and do... Uh, right normal people stuff yeah yeah so it's just rich people like living in their enclosures Ensconced worlds yeah, yeah. And it's like well why are you in new york at all what just go to fucking omaha well, and build your giant exactly. tower there and it's also like yeah don't you miss being connected to people yeah. i mean I, I don't really think i don't know you know i've i've dealt with this billionaire class i've been exposed to it in certain ways and i mean i really do think it's just gotten so rotten yeah. You know, I mean, there's no, this is why we need war, man. We need the great cleanser because <laughs> it's just, things have gotten so atrophied and so gross. And the only, you know, the, the people who are wielding these massive sums of money just, I think they feel utterly disconnected from, right. from humanity. They don't feel like they have any responsibility towards it. They don't feel like really they're a part of it at all. Yeah. They're just kind of these titans of money that are kind of going about their business trying to get what they want without any real sense of responsibility to anything you know living in their their space oh i live in new york but i don't ever actually live in no because they're just going around from event to hedonistic event you know in in their entire lives just being seen the one of the other rent things that statistics in that article is uh, the pr- the price new york landlords wanted for vacant apartments from 2014 to 2017 increased by 30 percent and the median household income for all renting families from 2013 to 2016 went up by 10 percent yeah yeah no it's, like it's happening everywhere impossible to maintain like no. how can you right what are you supposed to do you just have to live at the mercy of these evil fucking landlords i mean honestly something has to happen with these landlords you know we gotta get them out or something. I don't know. I don't know how to do it, but you know, it's the same thing in LA. It's the people who are the landlords are. Why does anyone have a landlord? I mean, it's very weird. It's like we've, we accept that this is how the system works, but what what is the alternative? Everybody should be able to have domain over their own space. I feel like, but that's just not an option. You know, you are at the mercy of this system that well, is really exploitative. The other problem is when companies and corporations start becoming the landlord. Right. Because, like, one of the nice things about the building where I am now and the thing that I'm ultimately fearful happening later is that it's just a guy. Right. Like, a guy runs this place. Just a dude. And it's his. I'm sure it's his family's income is the rent that he collects off of us every month. 
So he has an interest in like upkeep, right. making sure that we're happy, uh, making sure we're not throwing giant parties and fucking up his property. So there's like a balance there that works. Right. He's He's got skin in the game right. locally. Yes. Whereas it's like the largest buyer of houses in LA right now is like Blackstone. Right. It's a fucking private equity group in New York buying homes that they're going to then be the landlords of and then flip three years down the line. I yeah. mean, they are so fucking disconnected. And yeah, they're probably like, well, hey, we're just going to throw money at any problem that happens. But... But not really. Not really, right? You're going to throw lowest bidder money yeah. who's going to be some shitty uh, management company yes. that's going to treat people lowest bidder. You know, like we're going to spend as little money as we possibly can because that's how we make money. Right. We're going to try and steal everybody's security deposits. Yes. You know, it's really fucking ugly shit. I had that. I remember, and this is years ago, but I remember when I moved at, I moved into my Venice apartment and it was initially owned by some dude. And then a management company yeah, came in. Management companies, and evil. they 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 tried to scare everyone. Have I told this in the podcast before? Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, vaguely maybe. The uh, they tried to scare everyone out of the building. Yeah, because they be, want to raise the rent. Because it was a rent control yeah, building, yeah, exactly. and the only way to raise the rent on any of the uh, the rooms was to to scare us out, get us to leave voluntarily. Yeah. So they were doing that to everybody, just making these vague threats. Yeah. And it's like, if you don't know your rights well enough, you're going to, of course, listen to what some guy in an office tells you. It's terrible. Yeah, it's... I don't know how to solve that problem. People need housing. It's, it's, and it's true. It's like the more you legislate, the worse it gets in a weird way, you know, because it's all this rent control. It just creates an even more contentious environment where it becomes a game of how to get out of being on rent control, you know? Yeah. And so I don't think that's really the answer either. I mean... You know, I've as you know, make, I've I've written about this a lot. Doors. What? Or they make poor doors in the building for the the low, the lower cost housing. Yeah. You read about those. No. The, the poor people in the building. Like one of the incentives that uh, New York was doing with developers was like uh, a certain portion of the apartments yeah. would be reserved. Uh, well, this is the for whole thing. Right? It's so. the mixed the mixed use yeah. place. But so what they would do is they'd have a different door. For the people that were living in the yeah. l the low income right. ho housing like part of the away. building, yeah, <laughs> it just completely defeats quarters. the purpose. I know. No, well, that whole mixed income thing is is a real toxic problem because that's what is happening everywhere, and they're building these mixed income places, which are really ugly. They all have a Starbucks in the bottom, right. you know, and it's like, oh, twenty five percent is for really poor people, and then seventy five percent is for really rich people. So it just destroys the middle class even more, yeah. you know. And it's like, oh, whoever can figure out how to fill out this like paperwork about being destitute well enough, you know? I mean, like I know a guy who comes from an extremely rich family, connected L.A., you know, you know what family. And <laughs> One of our attorneys is a G. This kid is a real prick, but he uh, he lives in a subsidized because he's like an artist, right. but he comes from like a multi multi million dollar family. He lives in like a $800 a month apartment in downtown because he just figured out how to fill out this fucking paperwork. Jesus. You know? Yeah, it's truly fucked up. Yeah. yeah he's a real piece of shit. Uh, but, you know, this is this is what happens. You know? I mean, the system is just, there's no one really at the wheel and I don't know how to, the landlords are so powerful as uh, you le we learned in that 
piece I wrote about them. It's like, I feel like they are really the problem. But yeah. how do you start to hold them accountable? I mean, they're so sealed off. I mean, it's like you really need a mayor that's going to come in and get ready to like really piss people off. Right. You know, go to war, go to war with these landlords. And how, you know, is that what mayor is going to get elected that's going to do that? You yeah. Know? I don't know. Well, that's one of my fears for L.A. is like it's going to get San Francisco'd and then it's going to get New Yorked. It's harder because we're so spread out. Right. But you can see it. We're like. I remember when I was looking for apartments in like Palms and I'd be walking around and I'd see a listing and I'd call it up and it's like over $2,000 for like a one bed. And I'm like, how, like who is, who can afford this? And That's why crazy. is it this expensive to I live know. in Palms? Right. Yeah. Like who needs to live in Palms that badly that they're going to pay for and that? Who can, it, it, it's true. When you look at the income numbers versus the average rent numbers, it's like something is not adding up here. Yeah. You know, there, there, there's no way this can be the amount that everybody's paying for rent. Right. And have this income. It's like the two numbers seem like totally disconnected. Well, I mean, if other, you're you know? living in, if you've got t- <laughs> way too many roommates for a human being to have. You can make right. it work. <laughs> right, right. It's like right. You know, people shouldn't have to live in, unless they want to, they shouldn't have to live like in that close of quarters with somebody. I don't want, yeah. like, can you imagine you have to live in a one bedroom apartment, but you're sharing it. So like yeah. your living room is someone's bedroom. Oh, that happens all the time. You everywhere. know, like. I lived in a place like that. When I moved here, there was a girl living in my living room yeah like i lived in one of the bedrooms another girl lived in another one and there was a girl living in my living room yeah i mean she kind of had her like little things sectioned off right she was really weird and so she like you know was chasing her dreams so i guess that's what she was living on she was investing that way but you know it was 800 bucks a month though so that's not too bad yeah, but it is too because you're still you have no private. There's ultimately like well, that is kind of the nice thing about L.A. Though I will say it's like yeah, even though she lived in the living room, I still had my own room. You yeah. know, I mean, we had to share the bathroom, but compared to New York, which you can get for eight, eight in New York, what in eight hundred dollars you're living in a. Oh, you're not living. Yeah, where would you, like, where would you no, be living in New no, York for eight hundred dollars? Does not exist. Like you're no. living nowhere. So. In LA, the the it's pretty spacious still for what you can get for the money. It's like yeah, I mean yeah. we're we're lucky in that respect. Yeah, but Our, I think it's true. Rent should be like nothing. Yeah. I mean, rent should be a a third of what it is now. And I'm not just saying that people like, oh, you don't want to pay rent. I'm just saying it's like it's not good for anybody when you, nobody has any money to spend on anything right. because it's all going to some asshole landlords. It's just sitting on their investment property because. Oh, why fill it? It's yeah. going up every year anyway, the value. Yeah. So you can just, you know, use it to take loans out or whatever you do with it. So why fill it? Filling it's just like a luxury. Why not keep it empty, you know? Right. Yeah. And then uh, the people that are living there are just staying. They're not spending money on anything locally. They're not spending. They're just like, right. I have no other money. I can't yeah. I can't put any more money into the economy because it's going 100%. Exactly. Or they're super rich and they don't even live there anyway. They're yeah. in town two weekends a year. It just sits empty. Yeah, they don't give a fuck. Yeah. Yeah, it's bad. Very, very frustrating. But the other stuff in the article that was interesting was uh, they talked about how even though there's all this wealth in the city, there's still like a huge amount of urban poverty. One of those things he cites is the Bronx, 
uh, poster child for the bleakness of the city in the 70s, remains the poorest urban county in the country, with almost 40% of the South Bronx, or more than a quarter million people, still living below the poverty line. And this allegedly hugely wealthy city that's just like over the river. Yeah. A pocket of nothing. A pocket of, of poor people whose yeah. lives haven't improved at all yeah. in any any obvious way. And then the other thing he talked about is how public spaces have been taken over by like private companies. Yeah. And he cites the uh, Central Park Zoo. A visit to the Central Park Zoo once free now costs $18 per adult, $13 per child. A total experience ticket for the world-renowned Bronx Zoo costs thirty-six ninety-five for all adults over the age of twelve, twenty-six ninety-five for younger children, and thirty-one ninety-five for seniors in a borough where the median yearly household household income is thirty-seven thousand five hundred twenty-five dollars. Yeah. It's because nobody's in the Bronx is going to the Bronx Zoo, right? Yeah, it's not locally oriented at all. At all, it's for people like families from Manhattan who like want something to do. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I haven't been back to the city since 2009, I wow. think. Yeah, it's a long been time. it has been a long time. So, yeah. I haven't seen, but I have heard like I keep hearing this thing about the city where it's people just talk about it like it's losing that central quality that it once had. And I will say that is, you know, as much as I, you know, loved New York and I don't think I've ever truly loved Los Angeles, uh, it does feel like that's happening in LA now. It feels like it's starting to get that magic. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, downtown particularly. I'm starting I'm, to get that feeling. I am proud to say I love LA. Yeah, uh, I've, it's, I don't have any of those cultural issues with it. Like I loved living in New York, but I'm ninety percent sure I loved living there at the time that I was there. Right. Whereas now it would just be too too much. Yeah. Probably. There's a lot of comedians that talk about going to New York, and I'm just yeah. like, fuck that. Well, because why? It's again. It's like if I say I got a job where they asked me to move to San Francisco or New York. Yeah. You are gonna have to pay me so much money. Yeah. Well, that's a problem. I don't really want to live there anyway. Right. And then, if it was particularly San Francisco, you'd have to be crazy to move to San Francisco. Yeah. It's not only a horrible shithole, <laughs> but the rent is like five grand a month. <laughs> that's a problem those tech companies are having anyway. It's is, like, at least, say what you will about downtown LA, but at least you can get a decent place for two grand. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you can get a one bedroom in downtown LA if you look pretty easily for two grand. Right. And it's not going to be bad. Yeah. Like, it'll be nice. It, in San Francisco, it's going to be five grand yeah. for that same apartment. And then you're going to have somebody, like, shitting on your face every <laughs> time you walk. Somebody's going to be, like, throwing shit at, at your head every time you walk out of the thing. Or, like, beating you up, like, on purpose. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least in New York, you don't have to deal with quite uh, the same. But... Uh, yeah, he writes about San Francisco. He says, San Francisco is overrun by tech conjurers who are rapidly annihilating its remarkable diversity. They swarm in and out of the metropolis and specially chartered buses to work in Silicon Valley, using the city itself as a gigantic bed and breakfast. That, that's, that is what it is. But the strange thing is that everybody's saying, oh, it's getting uh, gentrified. But what's happening in San Francisco is not what's happening in New York. Hmm. San Francisco, the rents are skyrocketing unbelievable i mean my cousin i hate to talk shit about her but she moved into an a million dollar house that is like 
the size of this room that wow. we're in a very tiny room right now. Yeah. And it was an a million dollars for like a essentially a one bedroom like tenement home, you know, like in in Bernal Heights, which isn't even like a neighborhood you want to live in. And I'll go there and I'm just shocked. I'm like, "What the fuck?" And that's how simultaneously though, it's like New York prices except it is disgusting and rotting. It's like not, <laughs> it's like looks like New York in the pre-Giuliani years. It's like straight up urban decay everywhere you go. You walk around the Mission now, mm. go to the 24th Street Station in the Mission, it's like a fucking nightmare. You know, it's like not, it's not suburban wow. at all. Whereas New York, it feels like, is just like blanding it's out. blanding out. Yeah, it feels like there's no more culture or life there. Yeah, I haven't been to San Francisco in like San Francisco, six years. San Francisco feels like it is like rotting, deeply rotting yeah, to it's, its core. Like you know, like the same thing is happening downtown L.A. Really, um, no. it's just downtown L.A. has been like that for fifty years. This so. is you know, it's funny we talk about this because I when I was in San Francisco the last time, I got scarlet fever. Oh my god, <laughs> is that even possible? Yeah. Well, scarlet fever is just strep throat with a rash. That's all that Ugh. it is. That's that's what I got from lovely San Francisco. Well, because were you doing gross shit no. in Castro? I was riding the public transportation. And you got scarlet fever. Yeah. yeah, that's how it feels there, man. And yeah. it's like these tech dudes are it's... way too paused in their minds to ever <laughs> allow themselves to like see that. I mean, it. we are getting to the point. I was actually talking to uh, a friend who's a district attorney uh, here the other day, and they live in Westwood mm -hmm. in, you know, a nice area. And apparently, like, homeless people have been, like, inhabiting the front of their building at night. And they everybody in the apartment had to pay two grand, like $12,000 total. It is they own. It's like a condo building. Right. In Westwood. <laughs> To like build huge fences in front of their house because homeless people were just like coming and using their like what, shit in the middle of the night. Where exactly? Where this were? is like so. It's like no, West, no, not the location of it, but like where were the homeless people? I don't. They said they like saw them on camera because there was all they would wake up. There'd be like remnants of shit in the morning, and so they all everybody in the apartment had to they built fences to like keep people out. And this is happening everywhere. I mean, you walk around, it's homeless people are just fucking everywhere. Right. And here's my prediction. So Garcetti right now, mayor of LA, is trying to run for president. He's like gearing up to do that. Yeah. That's impossible because if somebody goes and takes a picture of Skid Row or any of these places in LA that are suddenly full of homeless people, people would be like, yeah, okay, this is your legacy, dude. Like this is what it looks like under your watch. And that is... He can't fight that. But I he's mean, not, he came in with there being a significant homeless population. But it's gotten worse. Hmm. And look at Skid Row. It's insane. It's like it used to be tense on Skid Row. Now it's like people are setting up like chairs. It's like it's becoming like an apartment built. Like people are building their own apartment buildings down there. No. And I really, we really need to get like a homeless uh, expert. I'm to sure. come in and yeah. talk because well, I'm, I'm really curious about like what there's I'm I'm sure there's a lot of factors involved in why this is well, happening. I mean, it's also Skid Row's full of places where they give away free shit. It's like a free shit giveaway zone. I mean, that's why you know. I mean, because they're pouring resources onto the streets so people can get what they need and then just live there. Mm. Anyway, beyond that, it's 
clearly an obvious problem that is affecting almost everyone, even wealthy people who live in Westwood. So, uh, and really, the there the writing on the wall is for a mayor to come along and say, "I'm going to go hard against homelessness. I'm going to do Giuliani broken windows theory. You know, like conservative anti homeless right wing shit." basically right mm. i think everybody's ready for that <laughs> i mean honestly i swear to god if somebody came along and started saying that shit i honestly think he'd get elected really easily the only question is would the deep state as, <laughs> as we say allow that who's to happen we? <laughs> what who's we what do you mean you said the deep state as we say uh, whatever as people say the Creep, deep state creepy weirdos would the deep state the the money that controls politics would they ever allow somebody um, a mayor la mayoral candidate to come up and say it's time to get these people the fuck out you of should here. run for mayor on the platform i know that's anti-homelessness yeah the thing is though i think it would what would get, be your campaign slogan you'd let's get, brainstorm you'd get silenced um my campaign slogan would be hard on homelessness <laughs> hard on homelessness that's yeah. not no it needs to be like that's very vague hard on homelessness oh i see no you're fucking homeless people. That- <laughs> I'm gonna fuck those homeless. <laughs> I'm gonna fuck them right out of the city. <laughs> Think you're safe from me? Uh-uh. Yeah, uh. I'm the mayor that fucks homeless people. <laughs> <laughs> mayor homeless fucker. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what are you doing, laying under that awning? Uh-uh. uh-uh. I'm gonna fuck you I'm right now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There no, no. I've... So how do you say that? How do you? How do you? What's the? You're the one in advertising, buddy. Yeah, you got to somehow articulate hard on homeless in a, in a in a better way. Like it's time to you know um, get serious about homelessness. Take our city back. Uh, yeah, know, people... strong, strong city. People, strong no, LA. That's too. That, that sounds very vague. All right. Take all our right. city back take is like real right wing sounding right. shit. Yeah, take our like make America take great our again. streets back. You need to make America great again. I know of with, of L.A. homeless. Yeah. How do we like hint at that? You know, I don't know that you would hint. You just have to say clean it. streets, clean up our streets. No, hey, no more piss it. streets. No more piss streets. Yeah, let's do some thinking, and then we'll get you in the mail race. <laughs> When's the next one? We just we just elected him again, right? Garcetti, I yeah. think so. I, he really needs to fix this problem, though. I mean, it's like it's really he's got to do it. I don't know how he's going to do it, but somebody has to just go in there with a fucking M sixteen. Can we get the? Where's Elliot Roger when we need him? It's like <laughs> can, can, what, can, <laughs> Elliot Roger. Like all these fucking Mayor Roger. What shooters. are you planning to do about the uh, school shooters? Are people. killing like young innocent kids with like a lot of potential. <laughs> With submachine guns. <laughs> so Can't you, you just sh- sh- set them loose on downtown LA? Yeah, just catch them bef- right before yeah, they're about to like, right, Just chill. Just yeah. don't kill the innocent 16-year-olds. Hold on. Hold on. I, I know what you're going to do. <laughs> and I, 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 I understand what you think you should do. But I've got to, like, we, we have, a solution's going to work for everybody. Yeah. Everyone's going to be happy just, with this. Just shoot here. Yeah. Just shoot here. <laughs> Well, it's just a bunch of homeless people down there. Yeah. I mean, right, but there's some there's some people you might have problems with. Yeah, can't this. you just get out your anger here? Like uh, it'd be so much more effective for everyone. 
It's it's true. There's a fucking school shooting every weekend. Can't we just bust the school shooters <laughs> in the downtown? Why do you think? I mean, what do you? But like, even, even no, that's horrible to say. I realize no, this th- is obviously this is, a joke. There's joking I, happening. I have I have Don't total apologize. sympathy for people who end up homeless, and I you know I'm certainly not going to hate on people who do drugs to get through life. That's for sure. Well, so I'm not saying that these people are bad or deserve to die. But I do think that the liberal policies that supposedly are helping them are actually hurting them. Mm. And they're hurting the city and them at the same time because they're just giving them just enough to survive and stick with their drug habit and destroy the streets. It's just not good for anybody. It's like you got to get them, be harsh. You need a carrot and a stick, right? Mm -hmm. We got the carrot. There's plenty of free shit giveaway things happening. But that's clearly not enough. You need a stick, too, a real serious one that's, like, dark and bad and, like, doing bad things. You have to do bad things to get them out of there. I don't know what, but something. But, I mean, does that even address, like, why there's so many homeless people? Because that that would be my... I feel like people kind of gloss over, like, how that is happening and what the... What the true cause is. I'd be curious to see, statistically speaking, like, where... all the homeless population of LA is coming from like what percentages are So I feel like there's two m- different populations, Ill. right? Like there's the population that are the vagrants you see downtown that are like really bad shit. Like yeah. the people who are doing drugs all the time, yelling at people, pissing on the streets. You know, I just saw a guy pissing on the street just this morning while I came out of my thing. Crazed vagrants, yeah. right? Those people are really not the people you should be trying to help with your free shit giveaway. You should the, the free shit should go to people who had a job, income inequality is fucking them over so they can't survive. They're living in their car, they're living in some, you know, uh bad situation and then they start getting into drugs because it's just so hard to get by. You know, and drugs are the one way they can like cope. But, like my question is like what are the percentages on that? Because yeah, right. it, how many of those people How much of the how much of the homeless pot like problem is dedicated to looking at the very obvious problems, like the guy taking a shit on the street and the guy harassing people in downtown? But maybe that doesn't represent like the actual homeless population. No, it probably doesn't. So like I think those those crazed vagrants again. Yeah, that's probably. I think that perception that, problem right. plays into it too, I because agree. a lot of people assume like, oh, all homeless people is the guy on the bus who stinks, right? right. And they don't know like, oh, it's also like this man and his wife in, in, that, in his car living in their car yeah, you know and he's and, still right. holding down a fucking job and but they try- just can't find a place yeah. i mean and those are the people that truly those services should be reserved for right but unfortunately the people that really take advantage of those services are the you know i mean there's a reason I'd, why I'd people about fucking that. litter and destroy their environment around them it's because they feel i i when i see a homeless person littering and shitting and pissing on the street I don't see that person as somebody who's down on their luck. I see that person as somebody who is actively against. They've actively. It's antisocial. It's antisocial. Exactly. Yes. That, that is a state of mind right. that is antisocial where you've said, I am not fucking playing by your rules, you yeah. know, and I'm not going to even try to right. play by your rules, you know? Yeah. I, I agree with all that. I just wonder like what the actual numbers are. Like the people like the free the stuff that gets given away. Uh the giveaways, quote unquote. Like how many of those are is crazy homeless people taking and how many are people that need it? Like need may, it. maybe uh-huh. those services are being used in, in 
in a majority sense correctly. Do you know what I, I mean? Think, uh, I don't know. Like, I, just, I think anytime we're giving away free shit, it's just, I don't think it's ever, I don't think the right people ever get it. You know? I mean, there's a great, you know, A.A. Gill? Yes. A.A. Gill's a, a cool travel writer. Very negative, dark guy. Yeah. Uh, and there's a good, there's a great Bourdain episode with him and Bourdain hunting in Scotland. And uh, obviously I share quite a bit in common with A.A. Gill, I think, but he has this article about uh, food giveaway in like starving Africa country, yeah. Sudan, I think. It's like he he went and visited Sudan and did like a Red Cross mission. Yeah. And he's like, none of the food goes to the people that it's supposed to be going to. It just gets claimed by some local warlord immediately. Yeah. He's like, you've never seen like colonialism in action or like savagery in action more than at like an aid food drop off in Africa. Like wow. it's like so clear that the white people, like the hierarchy is so clear. Yeah. You know, the white people are in control. This is colonialism. They're passing it off to like, the most corrupt local fucking power that's there. And the people that are supposedly supposed to be getting the food are the last people that are being helped. You know, it's all about power. Yeah. So I feel like it's kind of the same thing. It's like when you're just pouring resources into the streets for free, it's just not the right ones that are getting it, man. You know, it's like definitely not going to the right people. I'd be, I'd be curious to learn more. Yeah. I, I really... Yeah, that should be one of our goals is to find somebody that's really intimately involved. But there are so many people that are intimately involved and it's such a, you know, difficult issue because we all have this pity that we, and we think like, oh, I want to help. But sometimes helping requires, you know, tough love, I think. Well, I I don't dispute that. But again, I think my position is that there's a, there's a visible homeless problem, but I'm always curious about how much of that visibility is is just that, and that it's not representative of what the actual struggles of homeless people in the city are. I just don't know. I don't have enough information to to determine right. like every time I see a guy behaving badly in public who's homeless, whether or not that that is indicative of like what the the major homelessness in the city is because there could be two separate issues right yeah it could be like there's a mental health issue that has to be addressed and we just have a bunch of like crazy people that need better attention and no matter what you do uh, resource wise for those crazy people it's not going to matter because they're just going to be crazy people be crazy yeah and in, until there's any kind of like addressing of that core issue that's not going to be fixed but I would worry that we start making determinations on these potential outliers and not think about people that are homeless in the city actually need that help. aren't behaving antisocially and that are just fucked. They just can't afford any place. They're working at some shithole. Yeah. Or they've got horrible medical issues right, coming up. Right, right, yeah, or they're or they're addicted to drugs but are otherwise functional. Right. So I would be that would you know, all joking about murderous mayoral campaigns aside. <laughs> That's what I would be really interested yeah, in knowing yeah. more about. To see what, what, like, right. Because what, what, which I, is which. what I always get nervous about is, like, the visible thing is what people always look at. And they're like, oh, like, this is representative of what 
is happening. In this case, this this crazy homeless guy in the street it represents all homeless people. Yeah. And then that just it stops being about what the real problem is and starts being well, about the, the but perceived problem. Again, it's like, uh, right, but one in order for your point to make any sense, one has to be a function of the other. Because if you're talking about just two totally separate problems, and yeah, the crazy home downtown shitting on the street homeless guy, if that's a s- entirely separate problem from the guy in his car trying to like get by, but yeah. it rents are insane and he can't, then if those are separable, then you just got to go a hundred percent hard at guy on the street, right? Right, because then he's just a straight up parasite. I mean, like then they, there's nothing, there's no excuse for that then. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, At it all. Is, I mean, some of that is disentangling those two. The problem right. is those things are really entangled. Like all this, all the causes of homelessness are so entangled with each other right. that we're just looking at it as like this one, oh, we, we, if we just find the right solution for this problem, it's going to solve it. Yeah. But it's going to take a bunch of different things. And I don't think it's all those solved. things are always... Because like, this is the thing. If, like, if there's a place for homeless people to shower, like this is a place where you can go in and get a shower... And it gets shut down because everybody's worried about the crazy people. But then fucking guy in his car loses yeah, his place to right, shower. Right, That's right. not a victory at all yeah. against homelessness. That's just fucking that guy yeah, over I some see more. Your, I see your point. It's like maybe the midnight mission where you see all of these tents emanating from. Yeah. Uh, maybe there's actually 75% of the people that go there are just stopping in for like a shower and a thing. Trying right. to get their shit together. And yeah. how do you know what percentage of? Yeah, no, yeah. that's a good point. So, uh, in sum, read the Harper's article. It is excellent. It's a long read, but I, uh, it's a good one. Um, I wish the, I wish they, I think they have pictures in the actual magazine. They just don't, they have some like in the article itself, but, uh, really as a former New York resident, very interesting. Yeah. No, Um, it's a, it's a fun read. It's actually, I I don't really read journalism anymore because it's just insipid and horrible and click worthy. Yeah. This was the first article I've probably read in like a month. His take and his, his writing style (laughs) is good. good. Yeah. He's a great writer and he's like, it's just very, he's like, he's a disappointed idealist. And he also covers the other thing that's really kind of falling apart in New York right now is the subway system. Subway system is just collapsing. Oh, really? And there's huge delays and there's all kinds of problems. Really? Oh, so wow. I've been hearing a lot about that in the city. Although I haven't experienced it, I've I've been reading a lot. And they just, the subway system in New York is controlled by the governor, not by the mayor of New York. Oh, really? Yeah. So that's another huge problem is that, Hmm. you know, Cuomo is the allegedly democratic Oh, uh, really? See, we need to get that here, man. We need the county to basically take control of everything in LA because the city is so poor mm-hmm. and the county is so rich. Like Los Angeles County is unbelievably wealthy. Right. Los Angeles City is so fucking broke and shitty. <laughs> and it's like so anytime the county does anything, it's like awesome. Anytime no. the city does anything, it's terrible. No. Yeah. I'll uh I'll say this about LA's transportation Although system. I guess schools are shit, and that's yeah. county, isn't it? Schools aren't doing so hot. And that's county. Yeah, uh, fuck. LA transit system gets a little bit better every year. Yeah, that's true. I will say about Garcetti, so. it's not. It's like it's trucking along. Yeah, it's 
Straight up. Uh, so no more. Let's not go to New York anymore. Let's find a new city to be in love with and to romanticize. Mm. I vote for Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> Hard on homelessness. Oh, I see. No. You're fucking homeless people? <laughs> that... I'm going to fuck those homeless. <laughs> I'm going to fuck them right out of the city. <laughs> Think you're safe from me? Uh-uh. Yeah, uh. I'm the mayor that fucks homeless people. <laughs>